So I've entitled this morning's message, So You Want to Prosper. Who, who wants to prosper? I want to prosper. I, I, I don't want to, to live in poverty or live in, 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 in lacking anything. And the truth is, is I believe that God wants us to prosper as well. And here's why I, I believe this is so. Because I'm a father. And if you guys are parents, how many of you guys want bad things for your children? Anybody as parents want bad things from your children? I'm not talking about those brief moments when they did something you weren't supposed to. I'm talking about in general. I, I want the best for my kids. I want, I want my kids to be successful. I want them to succeed. I want them to have great relationships. I want them to have great health. And I want every single one of their needs to be met. And I'm just an earthly father. I'm just a, a regular guy. And if I can want these kind of things for my kids, how much more would God want those for his children? In Matthew 7, 9 through 11, it says, Oh, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts for your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I know I'm not a better father than God. And if I want these things, I know that that's the kind of things that God wants for us as well. But in order to kind of get our heads wrapped around this, we have to understand a few things. First, what does it mean to prosper? Because there is a completely different realization. This is my wife, for those who haven't met her. So, <laughs> hallelujah. But for, we have to understand what it means to prosper because there's a few different views on what prospering is. And first we have, what is the world's version of prospering looks like, right? And in this world, if you want to be successful, if you want to be considered being prosperity, that means that, that you've got what? You've got lots of money. You've got lots of cars. You can do whatever you want. You're basically, you're rich. And that's what the world thinks is prospering. To be successful, you have to have all of this stuff. But the truth is, having stuff doesn't mean that you're prospering. Matter of fact, there's a lot of people who get all kinds of stuff, and it ends up destroying their life. 90% of lottery winners go through their winnings in five years. And we're thinking, man, they got it made. They must be super lucky. God must love them. They, they won the lottery. Except for they go through it in five years, and then almost 6%, or more than 1 in 20, go bankrupt after they've won the lottery. That doesn't make any sense. But it's because stuff doesn't always equal prosperity. And then there's the, the, the prosperity gospel uh, uh, theology's view of prospering. And I'll be honest, for so long, I didn't even know what that was. People ask, do you believe in the prosperity gospel? And I'm like, I think so. What else is there? I think God wants us to prosper. But then I, I came to find out later that there's this idea that... Uh, uh, the whole name it and claim it thing, and, and, and claim, you know, we're going to be rich, and you, and somehow you can uh, uh, use God as a, as a, like a, a vending machine or something. And, and I'm being a little facetious, but I don't think that's what God means by us prospering either. He's not a vending machine. And don't get me wrong, I believe 100% that we should speak and we should claim God's promises in our life. But we have to make sure that what we're claiming for is actually in line with the will of God. It might be that you having a job that makes you a million dollars a year is not in line with the, with the will of God. Because you may be in a position where that would break you. That, that could destroy you. Just like those lottery winners. You see, I believe that God has a view of prosperity as well. And that's that you would never be in want. 
You may not have a million dollars, but you're always going to be taken care of. You're going to have a roof over your head. You're going to have food. You're going to have shelter. You're going to have clothing that you would never be forsaking. Uh, David said in Psalm 37:25, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. You see, the truth is, is that God has a plan for your life. And if God has a plan for your life, he's going to get you whatever you need to fulfill that plan in your life. And for some people, that's going to require boatloads of money because life's expensive. So for some people, they, to, to be in God's will, they, they will be millionaires because they have to steward and manage. And we're going to talk about stewardship and manage those kind of finances for his kingdom. And there's some of us that if you were given a million dollars, you would just go and blow it on everything. God's kingdom wouldn't be blessed. You would just be in a mess, and things would just be worse. But God has a plan for you, and he will get you whatever you need to fulfill that plan in his life. And the the best description I've ever heard for it is, if God can get it through you, he will get it to you. Amen? So let's get started here. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. The first step in getting a revelation of this truth that God wants the best for you to study is word. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Is, is, is this what really God wants for us? Does he want the best for us? Does he want us to prosper? Does he want us to, to have these things? And this scripture right here is the first one, and you, you hear it all the time. You've probably heard this many times. It says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, this was initially written to the, to the exiles who were in, Bab, in, in Babylon. And this was, was to give hope to a people who had no hope. They were enslaved. They were, they, were, they were under the thumb of the Babylonian rulers. They had no hope. They had no way out. And God says, no, wait, I do have a better hope for you. But I believe that we can... We can declare this over our own lives as well because I believe that, and I know that because the word says that God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we also know that God is not a respecter of persons. Paul said that. God's no respecter of persons. And that means that the exiles in Babylon were not loved more than you or I. That means that God didn't have a different set of, of level of standard of living for them than he had for us. This is the, God's will for his people. That he has a plan for him. That they, would be, that they would have welfare. That they would have a hope. They would have a future. That they would be taken care of. This is God's will for them. So then you ask Pastor Wayne, if that's the case, then why do we go through struggles? And it's because there is an enemy prowling around. The scripture says he's prowling around like a roaring lion. Wanting to devour you. Not only that, we live in a fallen world with people who have free will. Just like you and I. And you know what happens when you're a broken person and you have free will? Dumb stuff gets done. And we live in a world where we're seeing that around us all the time. Even in this case, the reason why they were in exile was because they exercised their free will to, to walk away from God, to not honor him. And God said, fine, I'll step back for a minute. And this is what happened to them. But God is always here with us. And if we will place our hope in him, our trust in him, even in times of struggle, 
Matter of fact, it's actually usually pretty easy to remember to put your trust and hope in God and begin to cry out to God in times of struggle. But I'd encourage you to do it in times of, of, of goodness as well. When things are going right, continue to put your trust in God. Don't get complacent thinking, oh, everything's fine. I can live my life without God because you can't. Even in times of struggle, he has plans for us for a hope, and for a future. And it's, it's shown so many times. I mean, look at Paul's life. Paul went through some rough times, but he said, and we can see that, that his trials were caused by people. He was persecuted like crazy. And people were causing him all kinds of problems. But he said that I have an abundance. He said that he was con- content in little and content in much, right? Well, how would he know he was content in much if there weren't, much if there weren't times that he had much? There were times Paul had much. But even I look at his life, even there were times even when he was in prison, it says that he was allowed to have his friends visit. And it didn't seem like he was under that, that uh, uh, strict of lock. You know, I know towards the end of his life, it wasn't like that. But there were times, even in his imprisonment, that he had an abundance. And God was still with him the entire time. Look at Joseph. I mean, Joseph was enslaved. He was in prison. I mean, he went through a mess. But in the end, God turned it around for him, and he was blessed beyond what you could ever imagine. Not only that, he was able to be a blessing to his family and to his, his countrymen. And then the truth is, is that there is going to be storms you're going to face just because they're part of living in this life. People are going to pass away because that's part of living in this world as people die, and that hurts, and that's a struggle. Sometimes we're going to go through, through just natural storms. If you live on the coast, chances are you're going to face a hurricane at some point. You're going to go through that struggle. But God will always be there with you. And the truth is, is that sometimes just knowing that someone knows you exist is incredibly encouraging. And I want you to know that God knows you by name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. That's easier for Josh than the rest of us, but even everyone else. <laughs> he knows the number of hairs on our head. He, lo- he knows you by name. He, he called you, when you were, before you were even in the womb. He has a plan and purpose for you. Amen? And 3 John 1, 2, John said, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. And this was, letter was to Gaius, probably one of John's converts, and some will say, well, this only means spiritual prosperity. Or it only refers to prosperity and, and health in the, physical, in the physical body. But he says, beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. I believe God does not intend Christians to live in, in subpar qualities. God wants the very best for us. Because that's what I want for my children. And I can tell you that this John, he was operating under the, the influence of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that he wouldn't have prayed these things if it wasn't in line with the will of God. God wants you to prosper in all respects, just as your soul prospers. Just as you've been made brand new in Jesus Christ. Just as everything that was broken was made whole in Jesus Christ. He wants that for you. In Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This is Paul speaking. And he says that my God will supply all your needs. Every need of yours 
How many needs are, are, are excluded from every? See, I think sometimes we read the Scriptures and we begin to, to, to we, oh, I mean, I know that's what it says, but he's not referring to me. Or maybe he doesn't mean everything. And we begin to, to exclude stuff in the Scriptures so it matches our experience in our lives. And as I've always encouraged you, I think we need to be a church that are just crazy enough to believe what the Word of God has to say about our lives. And stop trying to make up excuses for God and instead just believe what God has to say. And he says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That means that we're going to want for nothing. That means that we're going to have everything that we need in our lives. And the best part about it is he says that, that this pool of resources that will be given to us is according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I got a newsflash for you. Those riches are limitless. It doesn't mean that in order for you to be blessed, someone else is going to go without. There's more than enough to go around for you to be blessed. He's not going to run out. He says, every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, all of them. How many of you guys remember reading the story about the... Uh, when Jesus was feeding the crowd and he began to break bread and the fish and the, and the bread just multiplied. That's his riches. They just kept going and kept going. I mean, you thought that was cool. Like, man, I wish I lived back then to see that kind of stuff. You can see that kind of stuff now. But what about, you remember the, the, the lady who was pouring the oil? She comes back in and she's yelling at the prophet because she's got she's to basically auction off her kids, sell her kids off so she can pay the bills. But they came and repoed her kids. Her life was so bad. But the prophets know, just go take your little bit of oil, that last little bit of oil, and begin to pour, and, and, and they fill every vessel in the entire town. And they said, keep, bring, bring me every vessel, bring me every vessel. And as long as they kept trusting and bringing vessels, they were going to keep flowing. How many know that they would only brought the vessels in that house? That's where it would have stopped. But instead, they put their trust in God. And that's the kind of stuff that I believe that we can expect to see in our life today if we will just trust God. Just be crazy enough to believe that he's going to do what his word says he's going to do. Amen? And the question we ask is, the reason why God can supply all of these riches, because it's all His. Everything on this earth is His. Psalm 50.10 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills is mine. He says, everything is mine. You're like, no, Pastor Wayne, he said only a thousand cattle is His. You see, you've got to remember that He's talking to people in, in a time where they don't have the same understanding and resources that we have. They don't have the internet and understand the place is a lot bigger than they might expect. He's speaking to them in a way that they'll understand. What he means by a thousand cattle, he means all the cattle in the whole world. It's kind of like the, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? No, seven times 70. And we're all like, I'm going to keep it down. As soon as I hit 490, I'm going to be good at forgiving people, right? But that's not what he meant. He meant you just keep doing it. And that's how we speak to him now. When he says that all the beasts of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills are mine, he's saying that they're all mine. Everything is mine. That's how he has unlimited riches to bless you. And God will bless you with, with even worldly resources. I mean, how many years in a row have I gone to Finley Distributing Company? It's a beer company. I, when I used to work for Alicia Knock Network Solutions, well, but I just got a new job what, three days ago. It was one of my clients. It was a beer company. I'm an IT guy. And they used to print out stuff for us like crazy for all of our, all of our, our hours. So they let me do all the printing for free. They saved thousands and thousands of dollars. 
That's how God is able to bless you if you'll trust in him. That was a beer company's resources being used to further the church. Because God is faithful, and he can get it to you in ways that you could never even imagine. God has done stuff that just blows my mind. Money has showed up when I needed it from places that I, w- I couldn't even fathom. Like, this doesn't make any sense. I've had math problems not work out on paper, but they work out in my bank account because God's taking care of me. And this isn't the only time that we see statements like this. And Psalm 50.12 says, If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world in its fullness are mine. This is God speaking. He says, If I were hungry which we all can think is, is pretty crazy. God's taking care of himself, right? But he says, but if I were hungry, I wouldn't bother telling you everything's mine. I would just feed myself. Everything is his. Haggai 2.8 says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Everything is his. And if it's his, he can get it to you. Amen? And people are like, what do you mean it's all his? I worked hard at this job. I slaved away, and now I got this new car. This car's not God's, it's mine. You're like, how could, this, how could this be his when I worked hard for it? I'm glad you asked. Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18 says, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. The fact that you can get a job and make a living is part of God blessing and honoring you, being faithful to you. And the truth is, your gifts and your talents and your abilities all came from God anyway. That's why the scripture says when we work, we don't work unto man, but we work unto God. Because everything we're doing is for Him anyway, or it should be. And if everything you're doing is not for Him, reevaluate what you're doing and do it for Him. See, this actually took me a long time to realize. Put a bunch of strain on my family and on my my marriage and my relationship with God. I spent a really long time taking care of everything myself. And it's funny because I watched back. God was so gracious for so long in my life, and I figured I was taking care of everything. I thought that, you know, a man's job was to provide for his family, and what that meant is he made plenty of money for him, that everything was going to be okay. And one, I realized that money wasn't everything because even though we had enough, we didn't even have enough financial. It's funny, when, when God's not in the mix, even when you have a lot, you have nothing. You're always running out. You're always putting it where it doesn't need to go. And then my, 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 my relationship with my kids and my wife was struggling because I was never home. I figured I was, I was doing the right thing by working. And then I figured, what do I need God for? Because, look, I'm handling it all myself. And then one day, after being gracious for years and years and years, God said, all right, give it a shot. Try it yourself. And next thing you know, I was having troubles at work. We went bankrupt. Uh, my wife almost left me. I mean, when, when, I, when I was like, oh, wait, I'll do this myself, things got real bad real fast. Because I didn't realize it. I didn't get this. This that did not compute that God was the one that made it where I could do these things. I was successful at a lot of things, and I thought it was because I was just really good at everything. But it turns out I wasn't. It turns out that God has given me gifts and abilities. And he was working in me, and when I kept telling him, no, it's not you, God, it's me, he says, all right, let me show you. It was kind of like the, in the story, the, the, what is the ghost of Christmas, past, present, and future, when he shows him what would happen with his life if, if this stuff wasn't happening. God's like, let me show what your life would be like if I wasn't there, except for it wasn't a dream. I could go back and start over and do it right. This was happening to my life. It was falling apart when I wasn't letting God in. 
And I praise God that when I finally said, you know what, God, I'm going to serve you no matter what, then everything came back into place. And my marriage is stronger than it's ever been. My work ethic and my relationship with my employees is stronger than it's ever been. I make more money than I ever have. Most of you guys know I don't receive a paycheck from the church, primarily because we couldn't afford to pay me. But one day I do want to go full time. But I work full-time to be able to support my family and and do ministry full-time as well. And I make more money now than I ever have. And and my wife is making a great living as well because God has honored us because we have honored Him. And actually, at the end of this, at the end of this message, we're going to bring a couple uh, folks up as well to share how God has blessed them as they've honored them. Because I, a lot of times, I think what happens is we read the word and, and you see the pastor said, this happened to me. You're like, well, of course it happened to the pastor. He's the pastor. God loves the pastor. But I'm not any different than any of you. God doesn't love me more than any of you. See, all you've ever seen me as the pastor, you don't know who I used to be. I was probably worse than plenty of you. But it doesn't matter because God is good. God changed all that. I'm not who I used to be. The old man is dead, buried, and gone. I have a new spirit inside of me. It doesn't matter who I used to be. God loves me and not because of me, not because of the things I've done. Matter of fact, God loves me and he loves you in spite of the things that you've done. Because if it was left to the things that you've done, God would have walked away a long time ago. But instead, he chose to see his son instead of you. He sent his son to die for you, to give you a brand new life. And he loves you. And he wants the best for you. And he's given you these things so that you can... As I've heard it once said that your, your job is actually just the way to finance your ministry. That goes for all of us. And the truth is, is God has put you where you're at in order to, to be a blessing to others to minister to others, to share with others. Amen? In Matthew 25, 14 through 18, it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servant and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. He who made the five talents more. And so also he had the two talents, made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. How many of us would like to be entrusted with great riches? Only three of us. <laughs> How many of you guys would like to win the lottery? Especially if you could do it without playing. That would be pretty awesome, right? <laughs> or what about receive some great inheritance? How many would like to be entrusted with that kind of stuff to make... To, Did you know that you have a responsibility with what God has given you? If you want to be entrusted with great amounts of any kind of resource, you need to be faithful with small amounts of resource. We are entrusted with the resources that we currently have, and God expects us to, to honor him with them. We've already been entrusted with a great, particularly in the United States, the poorest of us are richer than some of the richest in third world countries. And they'll give up everything for God. And if we can't be trusted, and you guys need to hear this, if if we can't be trusted with the little bit that we do have, then how can we be trusted to handle a larger amount? If we can't be trusted with a little bit that we have, why would anybody 
trust us with anything more. Because there's actually two dangers that happen if God were to give you anything that you wanted. If he were to just overflow you with any kind of resource, particularly in the United States, we, we think in terms of money. So if God just gave you as much money as you could handle, there's two dangers that would happen if you'd never learned to be faithful with the little that you had. First, it'd just kill you. Just flat out, it would kill you because we, when we have money and we don't know how to handle it correctly, we do stupid stuff with it. I mean, look at lottery winners. Look at child stars. Look at regular stars, for that matter. On the, according to the world, they have everything, but their lives are a mess. They're addicted to drugs and, and alcohol, and, and, and life is not good for them, even though so many young children aspire to have that. Why would you want that? If we are not faithful, if we haven't learned how to handle a little bit in, a, in a, a stewarded way, in a proper way for God, if we were given a lot, we would just do dumb stuff. Next thing you know, we'd have boats and super nice cars. We'd probably spend a lot of money on stuff that's not good for our body, and the kingdom of God wouldn't have been glorified one bit. See, that's the second danger, that if God gives us that kind of resources and we've not exercised control even with the little bit that we have, is that the kingdom of God won't be glorified with it at all. I believe that God will give you everything that you need to fulfill your calling on your life, no matter how much that takes. But if you're not going to use it for his kingdom, why would he give it to you? Amen? Now, don't get me wrong either. I don't believe that God doesn't want you to enjoy what he's given you. If you've been blessed, you have a good job, you have all those things, I believe that God wants you to enjoy that. It's okay to have a nice house. It's okay to have a nice, reliable car. It's okay to enjoy those things for you. I think God wants you to. I don't think God wants us to live just horribly mundane lives either. But we need to honor God with everything that we have and everything we do. I mean, look at David. David was rich beyond measure. But he honored God with it. I mean, with everything that he had. Look at, look at Ab- Abraham. Abraham was filthy rich. I don't think God has a problem with us being rich as long as we're going to be honoring him in all that we do. Joseph was rich. Job was rich. There's so many characters in the Bible. They were plenty rich. Money is not the issue. That's why Jesus said it's the, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. Money is just a tool, like a brick is a tool. With a brick, you can build a house or you can knock somebody over the head with it. Same with money. You can pay someone to build a house or you can pay someone to knock them over the head with a brick <laughs> if you have money. It's, a, it's just a tool. And God will get it to you to use because in this, this society, stuff costs money, unfortunately. And you're going to see in this story that these first two actually did the same work. And the way we think, we're like, oh, no, the first one got five, and he, he doubled it, so now he has ten. So he did really good. The other one got two, and he doubled it. He got four, so he did pretty good. And the other one didn't, didn't double it at all, so he, he's not doing all that great. But the truth is, is the first two, they did exactly the same work. They doubled the money. It's a, it's a percentage thing. It's a what have you done with I've given you type thing. And, and I would imagine based on the, the story, is that there was previous times when maybe that first one that had 10, he was given the one first, and then he doubled it. And it's like, all right, well, next time I leave, you're going to get the, the two, and then he doubled it. Now you get the five. And he, he continues to be faithful in whatever the master gives him. And that's not what it says, but that's what I imagine based on the story. This is me extrapolating of what could have happened here. 
But we need to recognize that God's not really concerned with your, your, your overall totals either. It's, it's what did you do with what I gave you? If God only ever gives you a small amount, but you always use it for his kingdom, you're going to be considered more successful than the one that God gave great who did hardly anything with it. Even if his, if, if his hardly anything on paper seems like more, percentage-wise, if it's not, there's a difference. God wants you to... These two did the same thing. And you can tell that if you read the story series, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he had received the five talents, came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made the five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of of his master, of your master. See, it's interesting here is that the one brought back five extra, the other one only brought back two extra, and you're like, well, it seems like the one did way better. He brought back five. But we don't see that in the master's words. He says, you've been faithful in little, and I will entrust you with much. Enter into the joy of your master. There isn't two levels of joy. They both please their master just the same because he had doubled what he had given them. And God wants us to be faithful with what we have too. And what I mean by, what I'm trying to encourage you with this is even if you have a little, be faithful with it. And God will be just as honored and just as pleased with someone who has a lot and who is faithful with it. We're a small church. Probably only have 30 30 people sitting out here. Probably out here, 23, 24 people sitting out here. We're not going to be able to do on paper as much as a church that has a thousand members. But we're going to be faithful with what God has given us here. And we're going to honor him with whatever he's given us. And we're going to keep pressing forward. And the truth is, is the the greater success that we have, the more that we honor him, God will continue to, to give us more, to continue to honor him, especially if he knows we'll be faithful with it. Amen? And that's not only true for the church, but it's true for you in your individual lives as well. And anybody that's been a Christian for a long time can, can attest to that as they've honored him, as they've invested more. God continues to bless them that they can do more. It's an important principle to get a hold of. In Matthew 25, 24 through 29, as we finish out the story, it says, He also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the banker, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has little, more will be given, and he who will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. There's so many things that we can pull from this little short passage. The first thing that I see when I look at this is, is he says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. In this story, most of us can, can, can put it together that the master represents God, and the servants represent us. And the first problem this guy has is he doesn't know who his master is. 
He doesn't recognize that that's, this is who he thinks is master. It's just like so many people in this world think that God is up there on a cloud with a big stick just waiting for them to mess up so he can smack their knees. But that's not who God is. He's a loving God. He wants nothing but the, he wants nothing more than you to come and receive the free gift of salvation and, and be adopted into his family that you can receive an inheritance. He's not waiting for you to mess up. He took care of all the messing up. That's been dealt with. This guy didn't know who his master was. That was his first mistake. Is he thought he was somebody else than who he was, and he was afraid instead of operating in faith and in love. And then we go on to see that as he finishes up here, he says, for everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. As I was reading this, I began to see people who, it reminded me of debt. When we get to a point where where we're given some stuff and we keep overspending and, and doing what we're not supposed to be doing, and eventually everything gets taken away. And, and, and when, you, when you've overextended yourself, you begin to, to limit your ability to even do anything for God. That's one of the, the biggest detriments to being able to serve God is having tons and tons of debt. Because what if God today said, you know what? I want you to pack it up and head over to, to, to Zambia and, and minister over there for the next year. If you're in debt, you can't. And we get to this point where, we're, where we have nothing and we hide it away or we put it where it's not supposed to be and, and, and the next thing you know, we're, we're, in, we're in a mess because we didn't trust God. And the truth is, is if God has entrusted you something and if you're not going to take care of what he entrusted you to do with, he's going to give it to somebody else to manage. And I never want it said of me that somebody else had to do what God called me to do. Pastor or Dr. Leon used to read this story and he says the, the first one came and he says his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. And Dr. Leon says that's what we all want to hear. But some of us are going to stand before God and he's going to say, well, done? But we should make sure that we're being good stewards of what God has entrusted us to. Amen. 1 Corinthians 4.2, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. A steward is a person who manages another property or financial affairs. One who administers anything as the agent of another or others. A person who is in charge of the household of another, buying or obtaining food, directing the servants, etc. Servants are in charge of managing what they've been given to them. Matter of fact, in a household, particularly in this, this day and time, the, the, the household steward, the steward of the of the house was the second most powerful, influential person in the house. They, they could do anything. They had the, you know, they, they, could, they could sign as the executor on the checkbook. They could, they could purchase stuff. They could do all those things. They were second in charge to the master, even though it wasn't theirs. And if we look at even Joseph's life, Joseph was the, was the, the, the vizier, and that was, in essence, a steward of the entire kingdom of Egypt. He was, he was entrusted, even as a slave, he was still a slave, he was entrusted to manage all of that stuff. And we're required to be stewards of what we have as well. God has given you everything that you have right now. Are you using it to serve God or to serve yourself? It's the question that we have to ask ourselves. 
And if we will serve God with what we have, he will continue to invest more into you, he will continue to bless you, to continue to bless his kingdom. You will continue to get more. But we're required to be trustworthy. And why do we have to be trustworthy? Because it's not our stuff. It's not our, you know, a lot of times when we, when we look at this stuff we, in our head, we think this is all of ours. So we'll, sometimes we'll be rash that we won't do what we're supposed to do with it. But the reality is it's not ours. Just recently, when uh, the, the ladies took my car up to, to uh, California, I, was, I borrowed <clears throat> Norma's car for a few days. And I was much more careful with her car than I, was with, than I usually am with my car. Because it's not mine. And the truth is, is that's how we should review everything that we have as well. It's not ours. Let's be trustworthy with it. Amen. Luke 16, 10-12 says, The one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? You see this principle in the world? This isn't just a biblical principle. You don't just hire somebody off the streets to run a multi-million dollar business. They don't have a track record of of running a multi-billion dollar business. Amen? That's just common sense, right? It's kind of common sense for God, too. He's not going to entrust you with stuff if you have no track record, even with small stuff. So the question we have to ask, if we're not prospering, what are we doing with what we have? That's a simple question we can ask. What are we doing with what we have if we're not actually prospering right now? This also applies to ministry. If you, if you feel that you have a call on your life to do something in ministry, then you need to work in another, another man's field for a while as well. Because if you haven't shown yourself faithful in somebody else's works, why would God give you your own? Amen? But if we'll be faithful in little, we're showing to God that we'll be faithful in much. And in, as a result, he will trust us with very much. Malachi 3.10, we just heard this one this morning. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. If you want more in your life, there's a simple solution. Be faithful with what you have and honor God with it. Giving seems counterintuitive when you want to receive something. It doesn't make any sense. But it's a, the, the idea of reaping and sowing is so ingrained in this world. It's a principle that applies to the world. It doesn't even just apply to Christians. It applies to everything in this world. It's how you see it when, when farmers are planting their crop. They plant a little seed and they re- receive back much more. You see it you actually see it everywhere in this world if you just take a minute to look. Matter of fact, there's whole other religion. I mean, that's where karma came from, for crying out loud. It's just a simple principle of reaping and sowing, investing and returning. And this is what God's saying. Bring the full tithe. Bring the full tenth into my source and see what happens for you. See that you won't, you won't reap much more than you've sowed, what you've put in. This is the only scripture in the entire Bible that it says for us to test God. Matter of fact, elsewhere it says that we shouldn't test God, except for this one particular case. If you want to prosper, begin to honor God with what you have already. 
And the truth is, is there's no limit because you can't outgive God. You can't. There's never a point that if you continue to give that God won't take care of you. And the truth is, as we've already looked at this morning, it's all his anyway. If you think about it, we actually got a pretty good deal. It's all his, and he just wants us to honor him with a tenth of it, and we get to keep the rest. But I would encourage you, don't even stop there. There's people that have been said, and Pastor Mike, my pastor, used to say this all the time. So people ask me, all, all you churches want is money. You just want my money. It's like, I don't just want your money. I want your house. I want your kids. I want your car. I want your dog. I want everything for the kingdom of God. I want God to be served. You see, and that's the thing about being a Christian. The, the law says that we're to give a tenth, but as Christians, we've been given everything. Why wouldn't we want to give more? God has given us everything. He sent his son to die for you to make you brand new. The natural result of having somebody give that much to you is to give back in return. It's It's natural. There's so many times when I'm at work and, and I, I'll buy a cup of coffee for somebody or I'll buy a lunch for somebody and everybody's like, oh, I'll get you next time. There's this, it's built into us to, to repay. And we can't repay what Jesus did for us. But man, if he's given, how could we not honor him in return? And he continues on that same idea, Luke 6.38, given will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. We begin to see that principle as well. It's to our own standard of measure. If you want to be blessed a lot, give a lot. Invest in the kingdom of Lot. If you want to be blessed a little, give a little. Not only did God say that he would open the window of heaven for you, but he says that you get to choose how much that you are blessed. You reap what you sow. You get to set the bar for your prosperity. So the question we also have to ask ourselves is, what is our standard of measure? Amen? And then would somebody go get Kathy as we end this last verse right here? 1 Timothy six seventeen, And this was Paul speaking to Timothy. This was Paul instructing one of the pastors that he was training. As a result, this is instruction for me. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Riches are a full thing to put your hope in. We just saw not too many years ago all those people that put their hope in the stock market, put their hope in their 401k, and it crashed. And I thank God it's pretty much back to where it was. But at the time, people were committing suicide because they had lost so much, because their hope was not in God, it was in money. And this doesn't say to get rid of all your wealth. It says just don't put your hope in your wealth. Honor God. Put your hope in God. And understand that everything that you have, it was God who richly provided it with you to enjoy. Amen? So this morning as we end, the, end this message today, I want to give an opportunity. Because a lot of times I think, like what we said, is, is oh, that's just, the, the Bible says it, but we don't really take hold of it. And, oh, that's the pastor says he's experienced that in his life, but that must be because he's the pastor. But I want to have a couple people come up this morning to just share how God has been faithful in their lives as they have been faithful to God.